Hello and welcome to Sacred Heart Radio. I'm Father Michael Delcom, pastor of our community, and I'm grateful you've joined us today. Before we dive into today's message, I want to thank you for your support. At Sacred Heart, we're super excited about our mission to encounter Jesus and become missionary disciples. None of this would be possible without the incredible generosity and dedication of our supporters like yourself. Whether it's through prayer, time, or financial contributions, you allowed us to carry out our mission and touch the lives of countless individuals. If our ministry has helped you along the way, either with this podcast or with our online streaming, please consider financially partnering with us if you're not doing so already. We want to continue our virtual presence in an ever-challenging world, and your support allows us to do that. You can visit shbrusard.org and click the Give button. There you can find ways to support and partner with us on our mission. Another way to support us in our mission is just to share this content with others. Again, on behalf of our team, thank you for listening today. Let's get to today's content as we grow together. So as I said in the intro, we're going to uh, be preaching uh, and talking about Mary, having this conversation, this four-week conversation on Mary. Um, this week, we, we want to answer the question of why Mary? Next week, we'll talk about what God did with Mary, but why exactly do we need Mary? Why is Mary important? Why is Mary an answer to a question that maybe hopefully we will talk about today. Mary is often misunderstood, even by Catholics, but certainly misunderstood by by non-Catholic Christians, maybe by our Protestant brothers and sisters. Mary is, is a great gift to us, and hopefully after these four weeks, we'll be able to see the gift that Mary is, we'll be able to better understand who she is, and we'll be better able to articulate that and communicate that to maybe our friends who, who just don't quite get Mary, right? So let's jump in. Uh, we've kind of broken today up, our conversation today, into maybe three parts. The problem, the plan, and the person. So on the top of your handouts, if you open your handout on the inside left cover of your handout, we're going to start with the problem, right? Why, what's the problem that Mary is the answer to, or at least she's going to help in that answer, right? Most of you already know this. We heard it in, in some of our readings today, right? Our first reading says this. You heard it from Isaiah. In Isaiah 64, verse 6, it says this, Behold, you are angry, Lord, and we are sinful, all of us have become like unclean people. What we're going to talk about today is that our first fathers, our first parents, our, grand, our Adam and Eve, they basically fell. They sinned. We know that. In the, in the garden, they, they betrayed God. They didn't trust God. They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they basically passed on their sin, their disobedience to us. We are the children of Adam and Eve, at least when we are born. We're born into this world as children of Adam and Eve, therefore we inherit original sin. So when Isaiah speaks, he speaks for all of us. All of us have become like unclean people. We've inherited sin in our lives, and we inherit this concupiscence, which we call the fancy word, which means we have a... Uh, a disposition to be attracted to earthly things, to sinful things, right? The price of Adam's sin right there on number two, Adam and Eve's sin is disobedience, which was passed on to us. We read in the catechism in verse, in number 399, it says this, 
Scripture portrays the tragic consequence of their first disobedience, Adam and Eve. They lost the grace of original holiness. They were created with great holiness, beautiful. All things were given to them, but they lost original holiness. And therefore, we have a problem. The problem is humanity from Adam and Eve, they're born fallen. They're born with sin. They're born with a lack of holiness that God originally intended us to have. And you can go ahead and read that in the catechism. Uh, By one man's disobedience... Many were made sinners. Sinners came into the, sin came into the world through one man and death through sin and death spread to all men. So this is the problem. What's the problem? We have all inherited sin. We are all doomed to death and hell. That's the price of sin. The wages of sin is death and the consequence of death is hell. Eternal separation from God. We all know that. You took catechism back in the day. You didn't remember a whole lot, but you remembered a little bit. And one of it was there is a hell, and those of us who sin go to hell. That's the problem. Well, God always has a plan. So basically, God doesn't control our willpower. He doesn't control our uh, ability to say yes or no, our free will. But he, ca- he does use our choices, right? God has a plan. He's the Alpha and the Omega. So he has an overall plan for our humanity. And God knew that Adam and Eve were going to sin, but God has a plan. So let's look at God's plan. In our first reading, it says this. Even though we are an unclean people, it says this at the end of Isaiah 64, 7. We are all the work of his hands. So you and I are the work of God's hands. God has a plan for us. He, he made us. He fashioned us. We're the work of his hands. We are his handiwork. And when we participate with God's plan, something beautiful happens. We don't always participate. But when we do participate in God's plan, something beautiful happens. So what is God's plan? And where does Mary fit into that? Number six right there. Catechism 410 says this, after his fall, man was not abandoned by God. On the contrary, God calls him and in a mysterious way heralds the coming victory over sin, over evil, and the restoration after the fall. So there's a passage in Genesis that actually announces the Messiah, the Redeemer. It's called, big fancy word for those of you who are theologians and want this to be really super special, Here's your million-dollar word. Every week we get to have a million-dollar word. This is the million-dollar word. You ready for it? I'm not even sure I can say it right. It's so expensive. Ready? Million-dollar word. Here it is. Proto-evangelium. Say it with me. Not bad. That was really good, right? What is the proto-evangelium? The church says it's the first gospel, but it's actually mentioned in Genesis, which should uh, be like, theologically confusing, right? The Gospels are in the New Testament, but in the, the book of Genesis, in chapter 3, it actually alludes to a gospel message. What's the gospel message? Good news, right? So, if you go down to number 7, this is the Proto-Evangelium. This is, um, this is from uh, Genesis chapter 3. You ready? 
It says this, I will put, this is in Genesis, I will put enmity between you and the woman. God is talking to the serpent in the desert, right? I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. They will strike at your head while you strike at their heel. How the church sees this is basically, it's, it's, a, it's the first gospel because God is telling Satan there will be division between Satan and humanity, between humanity's offspring and Satan's offspring. However, Eve's offspring, one of them will crush him, will crush his head. It's important for us to remember. They will strike at your head while you strike at their heel. So the church sees this as an illusion to Jesus who comes to crush Satan, to destroy him. That's why it's the first gospel, because it points to the good news. It points to division between Satan and humanity. And one of Eve's offspring will crush the head of Satan. Now, hopefully, it, it's going to start to get our imagination going when we start taking, thinking about Mary and who Mary is and who Mary brought into the world, right? So, number eight, I don't know if you remember when Mary, um, the angel appears to Mary and, and, and gives this beautiful revelation, this beautiful, Mary, you are going to give birth to the son, Jesus, you're going to give birth to the Messiah who will come and crush the head of the serpent. What does Mary say? I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. Hopefully that gives us some illusion to our first reading, right? Our first reading said this from Isaiah. We are all the works of your hands, Lord. Mary says, I'm your handmaid, Lord. But this is the key with Mary, and we're going to talk about this over and over again. Mary said yes. To what she was designed and created for. She was completely obedient. She lived the vision that God had for her, right? God can do all things. God uses us, right? God has a plan for us in our life. And Mary said, I am your handmaid. I'm your handiwork. Do with me whatever you want. And so what is it that God wanted to do with Mary? Well, God wanted to do with Mary... He wanted to undo with Mary what Eve basically messed up with. The church, the early church called Mary the new Eve. And they called Jesus the new Adam. Because what Mary, uh, what Eve and Adam basically undid the knots that they made the destruction that they created, what Mary and jo Jesus are going to do is they're going to undo everything that Eve and Adam did. And we can kind of see that on our chart on the right side, right? Page three. Look at it with me. We're just going to go from Eve to Mary and we can see the parallels, right? Eve said no to God, whereas Mary said yes to God. Eve, her faith failed. She, she didn't trust that God was enough. Whereas Mary, her faith stood strong her whole life. She trusted that God would be enough. Lord, I, I don't understand, but let your will be done. 
Eve. Her action bound all of her children to slavery. You and I are born into the slavery of sin. But yet Mary, her action unbound her children. We'll talk about what that means later on. But Mary, her action broke the bonds of sin and slavery in the world. The product of her children is freedom. Eve, she brought death into the world. Mary brought life into the world. Literally, she brought the person who is the giver of life into the world. Eve, she stood at the foot of a tree, right, the tree in the garden, and she brought sin into the world. Mary stood at the foot of the tree, the cross, which brought life into the world. So hopefully you can see and you can hear that Mary is the new Eve. She's coming to undo all of what Eve did because God is going to restore the world through Mary in Jesus. Everything is always through Mary in Jesus. So what is God's plan? Let's look at God's plan. It's just saying you uh, a few um, saints right there, uh, a few things from our tradition. Number nine, St. Irenaeus says, just as the human race was subject to death by a virgin, it was freed by a virgin. With the virginal disobedience, Balanced by the virginal obedience. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but Eve was a virgin, right, when she did all this. Mary was a virgin. We'll talk about that in a couple of weeks. Number 10, the follower of mercies. This is from Lumen Gentium. This is from Vatican Council II, one of our documents. Fathers of mercies willed that the incarnation should be preceded by assent on the part of the predestined mother so that just as a woman had a share in the coming of death, again, so also should a woman contribute to the coming of life. What's the problem? The problem was we all inherited sin. What's the solution? God is going to give us a woman who will undo what Eve did, and that's Mary. The person of Mary is the answer to the problem of Eve. And clearly the person of Jesus is an answer to the problem of Adam. They work together, they're always together. Let's look on the, let's flip the page, God's plan. Where do we see this in the Old Testament? Where do we see Mary foreshadowed in the Old Testament, right? So the Old Testament, certainly they weren't thinking of Mary. They didn't know anything about Mary. But the prophets in the Old Testament are foreshadowing the coming of Jesus. So as a people of faith, we stand in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, but we look back on the Old Covenant, and we can better understand illusions to, images of, foreshadowing of what will now be Mary and Jesus. We look to the Old Testament with the lens of understanding of everything that happened in the New Testament. So let's look at the Old Testament, a few scripture passages where we can see Mary being talked about, being foretold, right? These will be familiar to us. Right there in number 11, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself, right, the Messiah, will give you a sign. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and we shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Isaiah is saying the Lord will come. The virgin will conceive and bear a son, and we shall name him Emmanuel. We're going to read those readings in a few weeks, right? That's, that's all of Christmas. 
Who are they talking about? Well, clearly we understand that they are foreshadowing Mary, the virgin mother of God, bearing the son, Emmanuel. Number 12, this is in Micah chapter 5, verse 1 to 5. But you, Bethlehem, right? Where was Jesus born in? Bethlehem. You, Bethlehem, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be the ruler of Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, the Lord will give them up until the time when the woman who is to give birth has given birth. Then the rest of the kindred shall return to the children of Israel. What does Jesus say? I have come to gather all my scattered children throughout the world, right? All of Israel have come to gather them from afar. If you recall the name that um, Adam gave Eve, he called her woman, right? Jesus is going to refer to, to Mary a few times in Scripture as woman, Adam called Eve woman. Jesus calls Mary woman. Sometimes we get confused by that. Doesn't that, isn't that a sign of disrespect? No, it's, it's an illusion. It's trying to, to, to jog our sensibilities of what's happening here. God is reestablishing what he intended. God is restoring the world through Mary and through Jesus. Hmm. Let's look at the New Testament. How is... Mary revealed in the New Testament. Maybe uh, we're familiar with that. Um, we already said in Luke one thirty eight. Mary says, Behold, I'm the handmaid of the Lord, right? We're all the handiwork of the Lord. Let's uh, turn to number 15 right here. In Revelation, we, we heard Satan in the in chapter in Genesis, the first book of the Bible. How about let's look at the last book of the Bible, Revelation chapter 12, verse 1 to 6. There was a great, a great sign will appear in the sky, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, in her head, a crown of 12 stars. Then the ancient serpent stood before the woman about to give birth to devour her child when she gave birth. I don't know if you've ever wondered, why in the world do we always depict Mary standing on the moon? Why do we always depict Mary with these stars around her head, Right? Why do we often depict Mary sometimes standing on a serpent? Well, just as a serpent deceived Eve in the garden, Mary, the new Eve, has come to wage war against Satan. She's come to wage war against the serpent who deceived us and brought us into death. She has come to bring life into the world. She has come to be our mother in and through Jesus. And so Revelation is talking about this woman, right? About to give birth and Satan is right there. The, the, dra the dragon is waiting to, to devour and our church understands that as Mary and Satan. Mary giving birth to Jesus. Mary was right there at the beginning of the church in John chapter 19, verse 26 and 27, it says this, when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple there whom he loved, he said to her, woman, again, there it is. Why wouldn't he call her Mary? He calls her woman because that's what Adam called Eve, woman. She's the mother of the living now, the new mother of the living. Woman, behold your son, then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. Church understands that moment um, where Jesus is giving Mary, his mother, 
to the church. John represents the church. Why would Jesus not give Mary to someone else? We'll talk about that. Jesus didn't have brothers and sisters, right? Mary was a virgin, but we're going to get to that. Jesus is giving Mary to the church. Woman, mother of the living, behold your son, behold your child. Here is your family. Mary is present at the birth of the church when it comes to Pentecost. We understand Pentecost as the birth of the church, right? Again, Mary is the answer. There in Acts 1.14, all these devoted themselves with one accord to prayer together with some women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. We'll talk about what that means in a bit. It's important that we, as we enter this conversation, as we continue it over the next uh, weeks, that we understand that every time we talk about Mary, we're basically highlighting Jesus. Some people get defensive when we talk about Mary, like, well, why shouldn't we be talking about Jesus? Everything about Mary basically points to Jesus. God, what he did in Mary, was preparing what he was going to do in his son, Jesus. Mary is a vehicle. Mary is a pathway. Mary is a handmaid. God is doing something in Mary so he can do something in Jesus. So it doesn't take anything away from Jesus to talk about Mary. It actually only magnifies what God did in Jesus when we talk about Mary. Just like in your life and my life, the more we allow grace to change us, the more we allow grace to restore holiness in us, it doesn't take anything away from God. No, it actually shows how amazing God is that he can change a sinner like me to be something different. That he can change a sinner like you to be something different. So the more we talk about our conversion story, the more we talk about what God is doing in our life, that it doesn't take away from God. It actually magnifies God's grace and his power. This week is just a conversation about why did God need to do what he did in Mary? Next week, we're going to talk about what did God do? We're going to talk about the Immaculate Conception. We're going to talk about the virgin birth. We're going to talk about things that maybe we know, but maybe we don't know the, the slight detail to it. If this is an interesting conversation for you to have, um, and if you know someone who would like to be in this conversation, please invite them next week. We're going to record these homilies. We're going to put them up on the website. Um, you can Refer them to other people. Say, hey, catch up on this uh, homily. Come with me for part two next week. This week was about the why. Next week's going to be about the what. What did God actually do in Mary? Let's ask Mary's intercession this Advent as we, we walk through this time of preparation, right, of waiting. I really want you to hear this. Can you imagine what Mary was experiencing as she was waiting to give birth to the Savior of the world. I'm sure she she couldn't wait for it to happen, but she had to wait for it to happen. Let's join her in this season of awe and wonder as we contemplate God coming into the world through a woman.